Hello, and welcome to another episode where I continue our journey deep diving into anxiety. Today, I want to talk about how to respond to the brain in helpful ways. I'm going to focus specifically on the amygdala and cortex, which I talked about last time. And we need to know that because our approach is going to be a little bit different if we know it. If we don't know it, it's not the end of the world. At the end of the day, we're going to be still working on focusing on the amygdala. But there's so much to consider. I did give lots of information before about the different parts of the brain. I tried to break it up just to make it manageable into those bite-sized sort of pieces. But, you know, it's important you go and listen, go back and listen if you haven't already, especially the last couple of episodes, if you haven't had a chance. Um, I've also created a, a brain workbook which I've got available if anybody's interested in that, where you can actually work through teaching kids about their brain. It's actually really helpful, like I've said in the past, to teach kiddos about their brain and what's happening. And then the strategies that are going to work depending on what's going on. Now, as a reminder, we can't talk to the amygdala. So trying to use logic and trying to rationalize with kids once that amygdala triggers you know, if that fight flight response is going hundred percent, we cannot try to rationalize with kiddos. It's not going to work. We have to try doing different amygdala sort of base strategies, but when it's just the cortex starting to think about something, that's a little bit different. We're still thinking the alarm isn't rung yet. It's really helpful to be proactive here. So if you have an anxious teen with test anxiety, for example, then you can use, and you know test anxiety is a thing, you can use strategies proactively to avoid the amygdala being rung in the first place. So, you know, going into a study session with a plan of, of, of what they're going to be doing and how they can address any unhelpful thoughts if they start to creep in. That's where they can start using a little bit of that logic and rationalization, practicing using their prefrontal cortex to help calm the amygdala, which is its role. We just got to strengthen those connections. So the first course of action always is to recognize what's happening in the brain first because kids can easily get carried away really fast. They get sucked into that anxiety with whatever thoughts are popping up without even knowing it. So I like to talk about anxiety as a little trickster like Loki, who's the god of mischief. But even for my teenagers and, and, and adults, sometimes they just want to call it, I find the tweens, early teens, just want to call it the amygdala. They're, they're too cool to call it anything else. But my adults will call it, you know, they'll give it a, a name. My younger kids will usually give it a name, but it's helpful because if we can name it, we can tame it. And that's essentially what we need to do. So it can be really helpful at times um, to, to, to kind of, we want to externalize it. So we can say, okay, I can see what you're up to. Right. And just like Loki, I can see what you're up to, what mischief you're causing sometimes can be helpful, but it's really, you know, Loki's are usually pretty self-serving. So really only helping themselves at the end of the day. So that's always the first step is to be able to say, I recognize what's going on here. This is my amygdala. This is my worry, or this is my cortex worry, whatever's going on. I know what's happening in my brain. That's why we want to teach it. Listening to the body can be really important too, because if the body is starting to feel anxious, we know that the amygdala has starting to, has rung if it hasn't already, it's setting off that fight flight response. And you'll likely know too, if your kiddo is like, yeah, butting everything you say, and, and they're just, nothing's helping them. And they're just, you know, the information's going through one ear and out the other, the cortex is probably offline. But if the cortex is online, that's when we can do different things like refocusing on something else. After we identify, okay, Loki, I can see you're up to your tricks. You know what? I'm still going to go do my thing, even if you're going to be doing that, or I'm going to go work on a full brain sort of activity. So, you know, we can 
um, if there's the test anxiety, if our kiddos have a solid plan, they could say something like, okay, here we go again with the whole fail story. Loki, don't you have another story that you can tell me? I know this one. You've told it to me. You tell it to me every day. I know what you're trying to do brain here. Thanks for watching out for me, but I've got a plan. I've got a plan. This is what I'm going to do. You can make me nervous, but I've got a warm up plan, warm up my brain plan. So even if I'm feeling nervous and even if I'm having this failure story playing in my head, my job right now is to follow my plan. So thanks. That's what I'm going to do. Reframing can certainly be helpful. Experience though is still stronger. You know, we learn through experience. So I got to make sure that when we're in our cortex and when it's our cortex causing us problems, when we're able to be able to talk back to our worried thoughts and do all those reframing techniques, you know, we could address all of those things and all of those thinking traps. Like, you know, one of the thinking traps is catastrophizing. This is going to be the worst thing ever. You're going to fail this test. You're going to fail out of school. You're going to be a bum on the street. You're never going to go anywhere with your life. Everyone's going to hate you, right? Like that just goes to that sort of worst case scenario. So we can start looking at that, but, but there's better ways. I'm just letting you know that is one way. If you're going to work on those techniques, you got to make sure the cortex is still online. Now, the one thing that's never going to work definitely do not do it is try not to worry, right? Getting kids to try not to worry or telling them, don't worry about it. It's okay. Right. That's the number one strategy. So many of my anxious kiddos tell me that they try. I just try not to worry about it. I try to distract myself and they always, that's their go-to because they don't know anything else. That's what people always tell them. Just don't worry about it. Go distract yourself. Right. And we start to make a plan. We got to start to make a plan to address the worry. So even though, you know, I've already taught them that doesn't help to just not think they seem to have this default button that says, I'm just going to try not to worry about it. Try not to worry about it. Try not to worry about it. But it's like the Chinese finger trap, right? The more you try to pull and try to get out of there, the, the more you get stuck. So telling yourself not to think about it or telling a kiddo not to think about it, that will never, ever work. It doesn't matter how much you practice it, never going to work because our brain's got this ironic processing. So as soon as I say, don't think of a pink elephant, whatever you do, do not think of a pink elephant. Where does your brain going to go? Where does it go? It goes to the pink elephant. Even if you start saying, okay, think it, let's think of something else other than a pink elephant. I'm going to think about something different. So, and, and even if you're trying to look around, okay, I'm thinking to think of a black bear. You're still at the back of your mind. It's got a pink elephant. So your brains, it just, just doesn't work that way. You know, because as soon as you're saying, don't think about that thing, your brain's like, Ooh, that thing must be really important. And so then it just kind of clutches onto it. So the brain never works that way. So we have to get our brain focused on something different. Distraction can be problematic or useful depending on how you use it. If you don't first acknowledge it, then that's a problem. So you always have to first acknowledge the brain and its anxiety producing tricks before you, you can distract yourself and you have to consciously decide I'm going to go do this thing over here to drown you out because you are being really annoying because otherwise those worries, they're just going to start seeping in. You know, if you're feeling anxious, I'm just going to go watch on Netflix, but you're not really consciously acknowledging what's going on. And you just go do that. It's just going to keep seeping into everything that we do. And you're never going to be able to fully distract yourself because, you know, your mind can still be thinking. And as you're eyes glaze over the TV. So we got to be careful of that. If we do acknowledge and then consciously go distract yourself, that can be helpful, but making sure we do a full brain activity, like I mentioned earlier, 
really I have to think reading is definitely better than watching TV because we're actually having to engage our brain, but we can still be thinking and it can be tricky that we're rereading and rereading. You know, you could, you want to do something even more active, like maybe learning to play a song on a piano, drawing a picture, doing Sudoku, going and doing some physical thing. I often tell kiddos to be detectives and, and be experimenters. Try a bunch of different things and see what works for them. Try a whole bunch of things and see what works. But it does take practice. Every single day, they have to work at keeping that cortex online. That's our goal, to keep that online. So they got to be working it every day. So if we do that, we can really reduce how much we're getting sucked into that anxiety and sucked into all of those anxiety producing thoughts. And we can start to have control over what we're actually paying attention to. You know, we can start looking at more adaptive things than, than the more stress provoking things, or we can kind of talk ourselves out. Okay. This isn't a big deal. We can actually strengthen that tamer, but those strategies, they don't work when the amygdala is activated. So we've got to really remember that it's really important to understand that. And it's really important to follow that. So trying to prevent that amygdala taking over is critical in the first place. So those strategies, I mean, they are limited and, and, and it can't be the only thing that we focus on. The amygdala, so that's when the cortex is still online. Kiddos haven't escalated too much with their anxiety. The amygdala, it certainly needs a lot more rewiring to address. Doable, remember the brain is flexible, but we need to do a lot more work to be able to rewire the brain. And so that's where the exposure comes into play, but you really have to be skillful in setting up exposures effectively, which is beyond today's episode. But there we're creating new stories around those old fear-based stories. So my story of being, you know, dogs are terrifying, they're dangerous, they're scary. I've been able to create a new story. And so that's what we need to do, rewire our brain, creating those new stories that are stronger than those old fear-based stories. Now, the one thing I do want to share right now, though, just as a little bit of a hack, it's an anxiety hack, which I know everyone already knows. So, so, you know, you, I might get a few eye rolls here, but really important to consider, think about what happens in the body when that amygdala triggers, you know, when those alarms set off, that anxiety is revving up our system because there's a threat. So it's revving up our system. So the blood needs to get to our muscles really fast. So now our, our muscles are rearing to go, right? We've got all of this adrenaline. I mean, there's so much adrenaline pumping through the system. We hear of superhuman feats. Like um, there are two teenage girls a few years ago. I don't know exactly how long ago, but two teenage girls who they lifted a 3000 pound tractor off of their father. And he, he would have died, you know, had they taken any longer because it was crushing his chest, but they were able, just so much adrenaline, they're able to flip that 3000 pound tractor off their dad. If you had asked them to do that any other time, they would have said, no way they would have tried everything, but, but just because so much adrenaline was pumping through their body, they are ready. They are revved up. And if you've listened to any of my past episodes, you'd hear me talking about how just sitting and breathing, that's only going to alarm that brain even more because this is an emergency. Why the heck are you just sitting there? You're a sitting duck that's going to get eaten. There is an emergency and you're just trying to sit here and breathe. That's just going to make our brain even more anxious. I've said repeatedly that we can't control the amygdala. Yes, but there is actually one hack that we can actually control it. Can you think about what I've just said? Lots of adrenaline in the body doesn't like just sitting there and trying to calm it down and breathing. It wants to use up that energy. We can use up that energy 
release that energy. Cause otherwise if we're just trying to shove it down, these kiddos, they're just going to become little pressure cookers, you know? So that energy it's given to us for a reason. So we may as well use it for good. Go do something physical, even if it's just doing some push-ups or, or quick um, jumping jacks or a quick walk, or even a little run around, around the block, you know, some burst of activity that's going to help calm the amygdala. Like phew, you've got all this energy. Phew, if you're using it up, that can be really helpful. So I will leave it here for today. I do go into a lot more detail about, you know, what that cortex starts to influence the amygdala before the amygdala rings. Absolutely. Um, so if you have any more questions, I can go into all of that. It's also my anxiety compass mastery training program. If you want to dive even deeper into all of that, but thank you for joining me today. Have a lovely day. Help those anxious kiddos be bold and courageous, and I will see you next week.